Let's pray. Lord, we humbly ask you to help us. Lord, as we look to your word today, we depend upon you for understanding. We depend upon you for application to our own hearts and lives. We depend upon you for faith. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us all that we need today as we look to you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. The Gospel of John is about believing. It's about believing in Jesus, who he is, what he did, and what he continues to do for us. In its 21 chapters, the word believe occurs nearly 90 times. That's an average of four times per chapter. And three chapters don't include the word his, in his farewell discourse, uh, chapter where he speaks to his disciples about abiding in him, chapter 14. In the chapter describing his betrayal, arrest, and trial, chapter 18. And then the last chapter of John, chapter 20, 21, when he reappears to his disciples, those are the only chapters that don't mention the word believe. Without those chapters, the word appears five times per chapter on average. Believing in Jesus, John shows, is vitally important. It's life and death for all eternity. Whoever believes will not be condemned and perish but will enjoy being children of God with everlasting life. Faith or belief in Jesus keeps us alive. Non-believers will perish, not only because one needs faith to live, but because not believing is a sin. And it seems somehow that people will know it. As Jesus said, when the Helper, the Holy Spirit, has come, he will convict the world of sin because they do not believe in me. Believing is God's will and God's work, Jesus told us. And that explains why it is a sin not to believe. Not believing is going against God's will and God's work for us and in us. It is rebellion against him. And we see that over and over with his own people in the Old Testament, his manifesting himself to them and them quickly thereafter putting him out of their minds again, not believing in his care and in his salvation for them. And so in his wrath he pronounced a great blindness to be put upon them in Isaiah 6, which we read. Well, the opposite is true for those who believe. God's word abides in those who believe in Jesus. That's how they live, as I said. Jesus said, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. 
Coming to Jesus and believing in him satisfies the deepest need of humanity, the need for God and eternal life in God that God put into us. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Belief in Jesus has great benefits. In John 16, 27, Jesus said, The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and believed that I came forth from God. From the very first chapter of the Gospel of John, we see the Apostle John's and John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. And then throughout the Gospel, we see what Jesus testified about himself and the responses of others to his testimony, both good and bad. On the good side, we see great statements of belief in Jesus, beginning with John the Baptist, but continuing with Jesus' disciples and others. Let's go through some of them. Andrew, a disciple of John the Baptist who left him to follow Jesus, proclaimed to his brother, Simon Peter, we have found the Messiah, or the Christ. Nathanael acknowledged to Jesus, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Then we have the Samaritans group confession, this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Then Simon Peter's own confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We then hear the healed blind man after Jesus asked him if he believed in the Son of God, referring to himself as such, saying, Lord, I believe, and worshiping Jesus. That's the first act of worship toward Jesus that we see recorded in the Gospel of John. Then we have Martha's confession. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. We then have the crowd when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the donkey's cult, shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. And finally, we have Jesus' disciples saying to Jesus, now we are sure that you know all things and have no need that anyone should question you. By this, we believe that you came forth from God. But to that, Jesus answered, do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming. Yes, has now come that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. That's in chapter 16, 31 to 32. And that happened when those who rejected Jesus' testimony of himself arrested him, tried and crucified him. And that's where Jesus' disciples were just before 
Jesus appeared to, the, to them alive again. All that they had believed about Jesus before his death had been insufficient without Jesus himself alive and present with them. The confessions of his followers that had been consistent before believing in Jesus, his credibility, his reliability, in his truthfulness, his faithfulness, his authority, believing that Jesus was sent by God to do God's will and God's work on the earth as God's son, as God's anointed one, Israel's Messiah, Israel's king. They believed that the words that Jesus spoke were true and that he had all the answers, even though they didn't understand everything that he said. But they hadn't believed or had lost the belief that Jesus was God because he suffered and died. They hadn't believed that he had the power of life in himself because he had died, because they had last seen him dead. But that suddenly changed. And as I said last week in the resurrection account of the Gospel of, of John, we see a slow progression of belief. First, we had Mary with no thoughts of Jesus being resurrected, thinking that something in the natural had happened. We had Peter bewildered and John believing that Jesus was alive before seeing him when he saw Jesus's face cloth folded up and set apart from the rest of the grave clothes. And then after Peter and John went back to their, their place, Mary had believed when she had heard Jesus call her by name after she had actually first seen him. But when she went to share the news about his resurrection with his disciples, they didn't believe her. They only believed when Jesus appeared to them later on that same evening. But one of them was missing. Verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. Now either Thomas had shown up later, or the other disciples had gone out and find, found him, telling him the good news about Jesus. And, and now, of course, there were many more witnesses than just Mary Magdalene, at least ten of them. But the disciples got the same result from Thomas as when Mary had told them about Jesus' resurrection. Thomas did not believe them. And he emphatically said so. Like them, when he had witnessed Jesus' death, something had died in Thomas. Maybe he could not believe that God could allow his own son to suffer like that. Whatever his reasoning, Jesus' death had completely crushed the faith that Thomas once had. 
Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. So he claimed that even a sight appearance alone of Jesus, like the others had had, would not be sufficient for him. He would have to touch the actual wounds of Jesus in order to believe. Thomas is more than a skeptic. He's a realist. And Thomas was a bit negative by nature as well. We encountered Thomas the last time in, back in chapter 11, right after Jesus had told his disciples that they were going back to Judea, to dead Lazarus, back to where some of the Pharisees had try, tried to kill Jesus many times over. And Thomas had replied seemingly sarcastically, let us also go that we may die with him. With that comment, he was probably trying to convince the others, including Jesus, to reconsider, likely afraid of dying. Where was he when the others had gathered together after Jesus' crucifixion? He may have been thinking that he was safer further away from them. And because he was not there, Thomas missed out at first. He missed out on that great encounter with Jesus that the others had and Jesus commissioning him and Jesus breathing on him and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was gracious to Thomas and after eight days, verse 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Don't you love that, saints? Jesus is so gracious with Thomas and so gracious with us that he meets us wherever we're at. And Jesus' presence had been with them since that very first visit, just not visibly. He had been present when the others had told Thomas of their encounter with Jesus and had heard Thomas's emphatic response of disbelief. And Jesus reappeared physically for Thomas, for his benefit, to renew his faltering faith with his presence, understanding that Thomas was only flesh. Jesus then offers Thomas what Thomas said he would need to believe. And that's all it took. Thomas did not have to do all that he said that he would have to, but Jesus had offered. Verse 28, 
Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. You know, we have many great confessions of faith in Jesus pronounced by believers throughout the Gospel of John, but Thomas's perhaps tops them all. Why do I say that? Because Thomas gets it completely. He understands that Jesus is so much more than Israel's Messiah. Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, and Jesus is his. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, that's all of us believers today. And that's God's work in us, calling us to believe. The only disciple of Jesus who had believed in Jesus' resurrected life before seeing Jesus alive in the Gospel of John was its writer, John. Most of Jesus' followers had unwittingly believed in Jesus only partially before this. Some had believed in Jesus because they understood and believed Scripture and God had spoken to them. Some had believed because of the words of a witness. Some had believed because of the words of Jesus. And some had believed because of Jesus' deeds and his signs that had manifested his glory. But all of Jesus' disciples had believed in Jesus completely, only seeing Jesus alive again after seeing him dead. Believing in Jesus was and is the purpose of John's gospel. And John finishes this part of the gospel saying, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So John shows us, his readers, something that Jesus said about us. Us who have believed without seeing Jesus physically alive ourselves. That we are blessed. We are a blessed people. Just as with Thomas, even though we cannot see Jesus, Jesus sees and hears us. And Jesus is present with us today, wherever we are, and however our faith is tried. In fact, he prayed for us in John 17, saying this, I do not pray for these alone, but also 
for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Why? Jesus told us why. That the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. It is us with God's Holy Spirit given to us, poured out because Jesus has been glorified. It is us with the Holy Spirit who are, who are left here in this world to manifest Jesus' glory today. To manifest his glory as proof that God sent Jesus as Jesus sends us to share his message, the message that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Let's pray. Lord, we are so awestruck by what you did. Father, sending your beloved Son, your only begotten beloved Son, into our world, Lord, to die for our sins, to take our penalty upon himself, to reunite us, again with you to bring reconciliation not only with our creator but with our created purpose lord of of praising you of bringing you honor and glory and lord no matter lord what it is sometimes that we we don't see that we don't understand the fullness of your grace. We don't understand your, your actions, and sometimes, Lord, our faith does falter. You are always there to call us back to you, Lord. Keep our hearts soft to your Holy Spirit. Keep us soft to your calling, Lord, that we might, might comprehend and, and take advantage of this grace that you have so freely offered to us that we might, Lord, live with you forever and honor you and obey you and trust you for, for everything. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.